Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Over the last few weeks leading up to Christmas and now a few days after Christmas, we've explored this question, who is Jesus? And we've sought answers to that question on the basis of the names that the Bible gives to Jesus. Names that give us both comfort and confidence as we think about all the things that Jesus has done to save us and why he matters so much for our lives. Today we'll wrap up the series with our final installment, Jesus as King of Kings. I know it's going to take just a little bit of an imagination this morning, but I, I want you to pretend that, that things have, have gone back a little bit to what they were like pre-COVID. And concerts are being held again. And your favorite artist is coming to town. And you've scored not just tickets to see your favorite artist, but backstage all-access passes. That's right, before the concert, you're going to go and meet your favorite artist. You're going to have a chance to talk to him, a once-in-a-lifetime experience to maybe get to know a little bit more about that person whose music you love so much. It'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? It's great to be able to get a behind-the-scenes look at someone like that. If you think about the book of Revelation in Scripture, it really is very similar. It's a backstage pass, I suppose we could say, given to the Apostle John. And the Apostle John then writes down and shares with us the things that he's seeing. You see, what John got is an inside look. Some information about what's going to happen as the end approaches, but even more, he gets to see Jesus as the victor. Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what we will explore today on the basis of these words from the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. John writes this, They will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Today, let's take John's words as our theme that Jesus is the King of Kings. And as we explore what that means, Jesus as King of Kings, let's note first that we simply marvel at Jesus' power. Then we also have the opportunity to rejoice at Jesus' love for us. The book of Revelation divides into seven distinct visions that John is given and then writes down for us to see. This verse that is before us today is part of John's sixth vision, six of seven visions. If we had to title that vision, we could, I suppose, call it Christ versus the anti-Christian forces that are going to stand against Christ and his church. It's not easy to read as we look through that in Scripture. Because what becomes very apparent is as the end approaches, more and more enemies of our faith will rise up against Jesus and against his people. It's not easy to think about the fact that it won't be easy for us to hold on to our faith, that it will be a challenge, it will be a struggle, we'll have to go back to the power that's outside of us, the power of God's word. But even as John lays out some of the difficulty that we get to see in the book of Revelation, the ultimate truth is there. We don't have anything to be concerned about. 
We don't have any worries because a victory has already been won. Jesus will stand victorious at the end. That's what we're given access to through John's revelation, through the pictures that John shares with him, that us with the, what, what he sees in his visions. I suppose you could say that, that John sort of is our tour guide as we get this backstage look at everything that God is going to accomplish through Jesus as the end comes. Have you thought about the Apostle John? Do you remember that he is one of 12 disciples of Jesus? He's the one that lived the longest, well into his 90s, we think. And then as John was preaching the gospel in his life, it caused him to be forced into exile on an island of Patmos. That's where he actually sees these visions in Revelation. Might John have been wondering, is God really still in control? Does he still know what's going on? As John looked around at some of the troubles that were happening already in the church, he maybe thought, I'm not sure what God is really doing here. But his revelation, the visions that God gives him and that he writes down, that was God's assurance to John that Jesus would win the victory. And John passes those along to us so that we can live with confidence knowing that Jesus will win. I suppose if you go back to that backstage past that you have and visiting with the star, as exciting as it would be, as awesome as it would be to see your musical hero, might there be just a little bit of disappointment too? Because all of a sudden you'll see that person without the makeup, without the costumes that they wear on stage, and maybe you'll just walk away thinking, that's a pretty normal person, kind of ordinary. To steal an expression, even celebrities put their pants on one leg at a time, right? Maybe that picture helps us understand people's thoughts about Jesus as he lived his life in this world too. Let's start with his birth, what we just celebrated a couple of days ago. Not a whole lot of people understood what happened when that baby was laid in a manger in Bethlehem, did they? Very few people in the world understood that the Savior of the world, that God himself had just become flesh and entered our world. Even during his ministry, Jesus looked, he talked, he walked like a person, and you had to kind of look a little bit deeper to understand that Jesus was more than just a human being. Even as he stood before Pilate, as we read before, Pilate couldn't understand how in the world this Jesus who looked so weak could possibly be a king. But that's why the Bible gives us that access. A little bit of backstage knowledge to, to see that Jesus is so much more than just a human He's God in the flesh. He's the king of kings. And he's exactly what we need. If you go back to the verse for our text, John describes quite clearly that there is a battle going on. There's a war being fought between Christ and his enemies. That's the very words that John uses. They'll wage war against the Lamb. John is very quick to remind us that in spite of the fact that this war is going to be waged, it's not going to have a negative outcome. In the verses before our text, John describes kings and nations rising up against Jesus and his church. 
And a lot of ink has been used to try and describe who each of these kings might represent, what historical figures they demonstrate. But perhaps the safest thing for us to say is simply this. There will be enemies all around in this world. Satan will employ governments and kings to stand against Jesus and his church. And that will prove to be difficult for God and his people. There are enemies that will continue to rise up against Christ and against you and me. If we had to stop right there, I suppose it would be a sad day today, wouldn't it? But we don't have to. And John makes that very clear when he says they'll wage war against the Lamb, but Jesus will triumph over them. He will triumph over them as Lord of lords and as King of kings. You see, Jesus already defeated. He already crushed the head of Satan. And so all of those who try to do the work of Satan, their power is gone as well because of Jesus' victory over sin, over death and the devil. Jesus went toe-to-toe with Satan and he won our battles for us. His perfection is credited to us. He went to the cross for our sins. Yes, that victory of Jesus, the victory of Jesus over Satan, over sin and death, it's yours. It's what we celebrate, not just at Christmas, but every single day. Our eternal future is secure. Sure, Jesus might have looked like an ordinary person as he walked on this earth, but when we see his saving work, we marvel at his power. Let me take you back to that backstage opportunity that you have one more time. And as you head back to that opportunity, it's awesome, right? Those backstage passes that you have, this opportunity to meet the stars. But let me ask you this, how how long do you think it will last? 15 minutes? Maybe a half an hour, right? And then, what about this? Do you think after you spend that short amount of time with your favorite musical artist, what are the chances that a couple days later, Or a week later or a month later, they'll remember your name. Probably not very good, right? Consider this. The King of Kings, Jesus, who destroyed Satan and his work, who is the Savior of the entire world, not only knows your name, he knows you more deeply than you and I know ourselves. The Bible tells us that even the very hairs of our head are numbered. And it's this Jesus, our King of Kings, who not only calls us by name, but he calls us to be his own. He's chosen us to be part of his family and heirs of life with him forever. That's what John explains in the second half of the verse when he writes this, And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Jesus doesn't need us, does he? Let's face it, what Jesus did for us goes well beyond anything we could have ever expected. Jesus doesn't need us any more than than our favorite person, our favorite musician would need us to pick up a guitar and, and head out and play for them during the concert. And yet look at what John says. We are Jesus called. We are Jesus chosen, faithful followers. We belong to him. And not only do we belong to Jesus, but we will stand in victory with him on the last day. That king of kings is our king. The victory that Jesus won is a victory that's given to you and to me. I know how easy that is to forget from time to time. 
As we look around this world and we see that fear is still gripping so many people about a pandemic, as we look around the world and see that, that unemployment is again on the rise and, and unemployment benefits might be running out and we look around and wonder about the unrest in our world, in our country and around the world, it's easy to forget that the King of Kings is in control. How have you felt this past year? Some worries and anxieties crept in. A few times wondering if God really knows what he's doing, maybe very much like John. Is God still in control? Maybe we've even thought, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords? Where's the proof of God's love? God's love is proven in the soft cries of a baby in a manger. God's Son come to earth to live for us. God's love for us is proven on two blood-stained beams. Beams on which Jesus hung for your forgiveness and mine. From that cross, Jesus cried, It is finished to guarantee that our sins are paid in full. God's love for us is proven as we peer into the grave of Jesus and see that it's empty. Jesus rose from the dead to guarantee your victory over sin. God accepted Jesus' payment. You stand before God holy and blameless. God's love will continue until Jesus comes back to take us home with him. Never will we worry, do we have to worry about God's love running out or not being there for us. The Apostle Paul described this so well in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 when he wrote this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that amazing to think about? Even when we don't see King of the King of Kings working in power in this world, there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. There's no illness, there's no trouble, there's no trial that can separate us from what Jesus has already won. Some takeaways today from our sermon. Number one, we can expect to face opposition to Jesus and to our faith. I know that's not easy to think about. It's frustrating, maybe it even causes a little anxiety. But it also leads us to look ahead, doesn't it? To remind us that this isn't the end of our existence, but something greater is still to come. Number two, Jesus defeated all enemies of faith and still reigns as King of Kings. The same Jesus who reigns as King of Kings has called you, chosen you to be his own, and you're an heir of life with him. Finally, number three, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Here we are four days before a new year and we don't know what that new year is going to hold. We don't know if there'll be another illness, another pandemic that will cause trouble. We don't know what might happen in our own personal lives. But we know whose love goes to that new year with us. We know the love of Jesus continues to hold us in his hand, continues to give us the hope and joy that we need for our future. Can we wrap up with just one last journey back to that backstage room that we're in with our favorite musician? Think about what it cost you to be there. You probably had to 
pay for transportation, your concert tickets, and certainly backstage passes don't come cheap, do they? Consider how backwards that is compared to the king of kings. We pay absolutely nothing to be with him. But so that we could be with him, Jesus paid everything, the ultimate price, his very own life, so that we will live with him not for a short little time, not for even just this life, but for an eternity, an eternity of peace and joy in heaven that Jesus has prepared for us. I know that's better than any backstage passes we could get in this life. As we think about that Jesus, the King of Kings, who, whose glory is sometimes hidden in this life, remember what that means. That Jesus has defeated all of our enemies and our life with him forever is set. And then cast away those worries and fears because you can answer the question, who is Jesus? He is the King of Kings, your King and mine. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.